This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. Welcome to 2022, friends. Glad that we made it here and glad to begin another year with you. Hoping to just begin this year giving, again, the the wisdom from God's Word that we need to live faithfully where God has called us. And today, I want to start out actually in a bit of an odd way for 2022. I want to start talking about some experience that I've had recently at a funeral. And I hope that you'll stick with me. I think there's a lesson inside of the funeral of Sue McPherson, a longtime member here at Cornerstone that I officiated recently that that we can really learn from. Ecclesiastes tells us that it's better for us to be in the house of mourning than in the house of feasting because this is the end of all men and the living will take it to heart. And so as we talk about Sue going home to be with the Lord, I hope you reflect on the brevity of your life. But even more so, there's a story of what real faithfulness looks like embedded inside of Sue's funeral that I, I want to share with you. And so, if you didn't know Sue McPherson, I'm going to read her obituary as we start out because I want you to know a little bit about her. So, Susan McPherson was 67 when she died on Tuesday, December the 28th of 2021. She lived in Nevada, Iowa. She was born November the 15th of 1954 in Des Moines, the daughter of Earl and Margaret McPherson. She graduated from Sadale High School and from Iowa Methodist Nursing School. Sue was a member of Cornerstone Church in Ames and enjoyed pressing wildflowers and making photos out of them. She also made bracelets and bookmarks. Side note here, that's how I got to know Sue. Um, She made me bookmarks. She knew I loved to read, and so she would make bookmarks with her flowers. Sue had a special place in her heart for animals and loved her dogs, Jake, Cody, and Shadow. Sue was survived by her nieces, Lisa, Winsong, Hope Kephart, Faith Anderson, and Deb McPherson, her nephews, Scott McPherson and Scott Henderson, and her great nieces, Jennifer, Joey, Carrie, and Stephanie. She was preceded in death by her parents, her sister, Linda Gilson, and her brother, Stephen McPherson. A memorial service will be held on 1 p.m. Sunday, January the 2nd, 2022, at Cornerstone Church in Ames. I was part of that memorial service for Sue. And... I learned a ton from her and from the people around her, from her connection group that loved her so well and that showed what real greatness in God's kingdom looks like lived out in the way that they loved Sue. So when I heard about Sue's death was actually, I got a call shortly after she had passed away from Jeff and Charlene uh, Mason. Jeff and Charlene are longtime members at Cornerstone. They're awesome folks, both teachers. Charlene, huge shout out to you from Kate Mitchell. She taught my kids over there. They're just awesome people, known them for years. Got a call from them saying um, very unexpectedly that Sue had died. I'm going to share just a bit of the story of Sue's passing because I think it will give light on the sort of love that people showed her and that she showed people. So, December the 28th, Sue, for the past several years, had been in and out of the hospital. She'd had a lot of struggles. She'd struggled with health conditions, and she wasn't well for much of the past couple years. She'd also really struggled with behavioral health and uh, mental health. And so she was in and out of the hospital, in and out of the Mary Greeley Behavioral Health Unit, 
um, it was a really hard time for her. And in and through that time, and even prior to that time, she was part of a connection group led by Daryl and Kathy Bunty, Bunting, Monty and Sarah Woodward, just a whole crew of people out there in the Nevada area. I'm, I'm going to miss many of the names. But that group loved her. And Jeff and Charlene really took the lead in that. As she would be in and out of the hospital, they would care for her trailer. They'd make sure her dogs were taken care of, even though Charlene absolutely hates dogs. Um, there are hilarious stories they shared at the funeral of trying to manage these animals that they hated and then learn to love, and, but still kind of didn't really love. You know, and they just did it because they loved Sue. Well, on December the 28th, Sue just really, really wanted to get home. And so she lived in a trailer that she had in Flummerfelt uh, Trailer Park in Ames. And through benevolence and the work of her connection group, some past due bills had been paid up so that she could return back to her home. So knowing that was going to happen and that December 28th was the day, Jeff and Charlene put out kind of a note to their connection group, said, if anybody wants to come over, we're going to clean out the trailer. We're going to make sure it's scrubbed down. We're going to make sure it's ready because we want Sue to come home to it clean. They worked on that throughout the morning, got it ready. Sue arrived... um, probably, Jeff told me, probably around 1.45 p.m. at her trailer. They met her there, helped her out of the vehicle where Mary Greeley had taken her there. And as she walked toward the trailer, she was kind of shuffling a little bit, and Jeff thought, maybe there's something a little unusual. She slipped and fell kind of by a rock garden that she had, headed up to her house, and they picked her up. Jeff said she didn't hit her head or anything that he could see, but he was, you know, hey, Sue, let's get you inside. Let's help you sit down. They helped her to get seated in a comfortable chair, and as they did that, um, her head began to kind of lull to the side, and she just was growing quiet, and her breathing was more labored. They're like, hey, Sue, and she wasn't really responsive. There with them was Sarah Woodward, who's uh, another connection group member and a nurse, and she was watching Sue, trying to take note of what was happening, seeing what was going on. And as another minute or two passed, she said, "Um, I think we're going to have to call an ambulance because it doesn't look like Sue's breathing well. As it went along, Sue actually stopped breathing. By the time the ambulance got there, they ended up... um, performing CPR and other resuscitatory measures on her, and Sue was declared dead at 2.38 p.m. Pardon my throat clearing there. So I want you to think about that. She arrived home at 1.50 p.m. 40 minutes later, she had gone home to be with the Lord. It was, there's something about the way the human, like, psychology works out that I can't fully explain where people set goals and when they hit them, they go home. It's part of the reason why over the holiday season, it's the most likely time when people are going to pass away is because they make it to Christmas and they saw the people they loved and that was what they had to do. And having done that, they're ready to go home. Well, I think, I think that was kind of Sue's perspective, whether she knew to articulate it or not was before she went home to be with the Lord, she, she just wanted to get home. And so her connection group and her church and people here came around her, helped her to get home, and then were with her as she went home to be with the Lord. 
And so on Sunday, we gathered at a very small memorial service. There was probably 25 to 30 people there. Friends from her connection group, a family member, and then four people from the Mary Greeley Behavioral Health Unit, which if they listen to this podcast, I don't know why they would, but if they did, I would just want them to know that they're champions and that they loved Sue so well. The nurses in that unit who were there, they didn't just do their jobs. They saw Sue as a person, and they appreciated her humor and her wit, and they cared for her, and they showed up with about 25 people to say that Sue mattered because they saw a person made in God's image. And so, guys, thank you for that. And I got the chance to listen as people around the room shared how a person who had very, very little to give gave and blessed them. They shared stories like the, the Tuckers who shared how Stu, how, how, Stu, how Sue had uh, babysat for them, for their kids and foster kids in the process of adoption, how there are five kids now who'd been adopted, who Sue was part of caring for them so that they could be part of training and going out and doing that. Like she loved them. So they look in her, at their family, at their children, and they see Sue's care. They told stories of how their connection group would often uh, buy groceries or help Sue with bills, things like that, only to receive a gift from her the next day or two because she wanted you to know that you were seen and you were known. She had so little to give, and yet she gave freely. They shared how Sue's wit and laughter came out. She Sue was a funny person. She had a just a whip, smart kind of... Uh, sarcastic humor and she was funny and so her connection group told stories and laughed about how they had loved sue and how sue had loved them and what i was struck by as they shared was a simple reality that very very few people knew sue you know that i've been at a good number of funerals recently unfortunately most of which have been several hundred people This was a small funeral in a small space with a small group, and yet this was a group that really deeply loved each other and deeply loved Sue. They told stories of walking dogs, even though they were afraid of dogs, of helping get a person a car and then regretting it when they weren't maybe the best driver that had ever existed. They told stories of what love looked like. And they told stories that absolutely no one would have known or seen other than Jesus. But he saw them. And what I saw at that funeral, I thought, looked a lot like Jesus. See, Jesus cared for Sue. He was someone who was made in her image, who when she heard and received the gospel, became a new person in Jesus. And being born again didn't make Sue a person without flaws. She had plenty of them. It didn't make Sue's life a perfect life without struggle, but it did give her a new life and a new hope that could transcend all of that. And Jesus saw Sue throughout her life and throughout even her final days. He saw her and he came and cared for her. Martin Luther, when he talks about how God cares for his people and his creation, he says that it's through 
our acts of faithful service that God is caring for people. God's unseen hand is at work in our human vocations. So Luther gives the example of praying the Lord's Prayer. When we say, uh, give us our daily bread, God doesn't give us manna directly from heaven. He sends us to fairway. He sends us to a, a baker who bakes bread. So in the baker, God's unseen hand is at work answering the prayers of his people. That's the way Jesus cared for Sue. Jesus didn't come down physically and do some sort of miraculous incarnation to give Sue a hug. Instead, he sent his spirit, and through his spirit at work in people's lives, the life of Jesus was happening in her connection group, which means Jesus hugged Sue through Kathy Bunting. Jesus hugged Sue through a group of people who saw her and knew her, because those people are Jesus that, that, to Sue. That's what it means for Jesus to come and make his home with his people. It says he dwells with us so that what we're doing in our lives is we're asking, what would the life of Jesus look like right here? Like if Jesus put my skin on, what would he look like? And I think he would look an awful lot like Jeff and Charlene Mason on their hands and knees cleaning out a trailer so that a sick person can come home. It's what Jesus would look like. I don't want to do more funerals. Like, it's not something as a pastor you sit down and go, man, I hope some funerals come up this week. They're always painful. Many are tragic. There's a lot of sadness. But there's also moments like what I was a part of on Sunday that are very holy and precious. There are reasons why Ecclesiastes says it's better to be in the house of mourning. And there are reasons why, as a pastor, I see certain things of God's grace at work in people come out in those places that you're not going to see other places. And what I wanted to do today was just give a little honor where honor is due. I was at lunch with Matt Lapine, one of my dear friends, on staff here at Cornerstone, and he said, he said as he heard me share the story, Mark, you need to share that from the stage. You need to give honor there. Romans 12 tells us to outdo one another in showing honor. And in 1 Corinthians 12, there's this really incredible passage where Paul talks about how a body has many parts. I want to read Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 14, where he says, The body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. I'm not important to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. I just want to pause there and read that again. Those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. Those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. Our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts don't need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so there would be no division in the body, 
but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffered, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. Sue was a weaker part of our body. No one at Cornerstone would have had Sue do a podcast. No one at Cornerstone would have asked Sue to preach a message, and that's not what we should have done. That wasn't the part of the body that she was given by God. But in her weakness, she showed grace in the small ways that she could. Which means it's not just like a connection group of people that mattered and were faithful. It was Sue herself in her weakness that mattered to the body. The weaker parts are indispensable. And those unseen acts of kindness, from a hundred trips to Sue's home by Jeff and Charlin, to driving to a doctor's appointment or dropping by groceries when Sue was behind, to buying her diet Dr. Pepper, every one of those small acts of kindness, where her connection group was the hands and feet of Jesus, the sort of things that as they were done, no one was thinking, I bet this will get mentioned on Sunday from the stage. No one did it for that reason. Instead, they did it. Why? Because they were members of one another. They were a body. They had concern. When Sue suffered, they suffered with her. When Sue was honored and came home, they rejoiced with her. And when Sue died and went to be with the Lord, they mourned. That's the way it should be. I think there's something in all of this that all of us need to learn and that I need to learn. We talk about being a faithful presence. This is what it looks like. It looks like doing things that no one sees but Jesus sees. It looks like seeing people who seem weak and who don't have the gifts that the world would value and knowing they're valuable. And so for me, The chance to be part of a 25-person funeral, I think, will be one of the most important things I do all year. It'll be one of the times where God shows His grace most clearly to me because I got to see it through a connection group in Nevada that absolutely loved a person in some of the hardest times of their life. So guys, way to go. I want to honor you. And in so doing, I want to call all of us to that sort of faithfulness, to that sort of way of living in this year. I want to call all of us, in a certain way then, to look more and more like Jesus. Let's live that way, church. 